Welcome everyone to the Sports Unite podcast. This is episode 15. We've made it to episode 15 already. Nothing to celebrate just quite yet. We're going to be celebrating when we get to episode 25. So if you are a listener out there and you have not followed us on our social media on Facebook or Instagram at Sports Unite Podcast or on Twitter Sports Unite Pod 1, do so because we will be having a giveaway for episode 25 and we will be releasing the questions on our social media page and you'll have to respond on our social media page so follow us on our social media we have lots of content going on there lots of discussion it's a fun way to interact with all of you who listen thank you so much for all of you who have listened so far now let's get into it happy sports week everyone that's right we have made it it's going to be an up and down episode because i have some things to say about some sports leagues going on, but we have made it to Sports Week. Now, what is Sports Week, you might be asking? Well, it's the week that a lot of popular sports are starting, which is this week. At the beginning of March, when when everything shut down in March, wasn't sure if sports would come back, what would the world be like going forward. Everyone settled down, put their noggins together, and we came up with this the bubble scenario it seems to be working basketball no reported cases inside the bubble in a little while nhl no reported cases in the bubble Uh, mls seems to be okay in the bubble wnba just started no cases nwsl no cases once they got to the bubble this is an exciting time so we have mls wnba The NBA starting today, NHL officially starting Saturday, we are in it guys and girls, we're there. This is sports week, so take a deep breath, push away all those negative thoughts and just breathe and watch some sports. Yes, it's going to be different, but stop your complaining. This is a good way to just forget about everything that's going on, watch some sports, smile, have a snack, and breathe. Sports are back. That being said, I have a little, little tiny issue with Major League Baseball. I don't know what is going on with Major League. We have our, uh, we have a Paul who's a big fan of the Toronto Blue Jays and baseball in general. We have a discussion with him. We talk uh, about from the fans' perspective of someone who follows Major League Baseball year in, year out, how they kind of feel with this year, how Major League has transformed, uh, whether they have catered to the fans or not. So we have that discussion uh, on today's episode. But my issue, something that I feel like I have to get out there, it'll be on the internet, but what are you doing? I get that you want to play, have that normalcy, play in the stadiums, no fans, like that's fine. But whether it was Major League Baseball itself or the Players Association, which would almost be worse, not giving a bubble scenario even two seconds of a thought, it was they were so blinded by everything else from contract talks to how many games they're going to be played. It should have been just discussed in a bubble. They talked about it, whether it was Florida, Arizona, and things got a little dicey there and still are. So I get you don't want to do it, but you have how many stadiums you can isolate 
might be a little hard with hotel rooms, but if you pick a city like New York, Boston, you know, the NHL's doing it with 12 teams in each city. They seem to be doing okay. The CPL, the Canadian Premier League Soccer, they have eight teams. They're going to tiny, tiny Prince Edward Island. If you don't know Prince Edward Island, it is the smallest province in Canada. Small population. It's an island. And they're inviting and having eight teams, eight soccer teams, to play a bubble scenario tournament for their season this year. If a tiny island province, and God bless the Islanders, I love PEI so much, I can't wait to go back. If they can figure out how to house eight soccer teams in a tiny province, Major League Baseball, you should be doing this. And the risk, was the risk worth it? Because not only are 19 players and staff members of the Miami Marlins have tested positive, now you have members of the Phillies. Well, now Toronto's not going to be going to play the Phillies. Do you think the next team is going to go to Philadelphia to play? The Marlins were just there, so obviously that's where it came from. Now, that's two teams. What happens next? Do you just count them out like the MLS had to do with uh, Nashville and Dallas? Or the NWSL? So now what happens to your season? You tried to emulate what is happening in Korea, where teams are able to play, no fans, but America is not Korea. America does not have a handle on the situation. And I don't know when they will, how long it's going to take, but traveling from city to city with limited amount of players and staff, as opposed to what you'd normally do, is clearly not working. You gambled, and I'm sorry to say, but you have lost. Now, people are saying it's just one, it's not, you know, not the whole, that we know of. So we get rid of the Marlins for this year, and maybe the Phillies too. So what happens now? Are people going to want to play in Florida? What about Tampa Bay? Are, are the Blue Jays, are the Yankees, the Red Sox, are they going to want to travel back down to Tampa Bay? They still haven't played in Tampa Bay. What about the other teams that play in, you know, are Pittsburgh, the surrounding area of Philadelphia? It's just a mess. And I'm sorry, Major League Baseball, you get an F for how you handled the situation. You had the talks and you let money talk, money drive the situation. You didn't really concentrate. Baseball is a social distance approved sport. You had the door wide open. This should have been the first sport coming back. And alas, it was the last to be put together and the quickest to return after those decisions are to be made, which maybe tells me that you might have, should have taken a little more time in the preparation. And other players have tested positive and they have to go through a protocol to return, which is great that that protocol exists. What do you do when 19 people in your organization test positive? You're going to be the kid with chicken pox. No one's going to want to come around you. So where do they go from there? I don't know. Do we finish the MLB season? I'm not 100%. I don't think at this point 
It could be 50-50. And I'm afraid, and we talk about this with Paul, I'm afraid that come hell or high water, the Major League will push. If they have two remaining teams, there's the World Series. Unfortunately, I think that's where we're headed. They're more worried about who knows what. But it's not... It's not the safety of everyone, that's for sure. Or else you would have figured out a way to create a bubble so that everyone was safe. NBA, WNBA, uh, NWSL, NHL, they've all done it. Because this is North America and we are in a different situation than in Korea or in Asia or Europe. They isolated the soccer teams in Europe and then began to play. They isolated the baseball players. Then they began to play. You have to, in all of this, you have to isolate bubble in order to finish your season or play. This traveling around and around, it's clearly not working. It's too much of a risk right now. Too many people, there's not a handle on it, especially in the United States. So Major League Baseball Please consider something, whether you have to pause and reflect and reassemble in a bubble scenario, do something. Because so far in 2020, you've already hurt many fans. And for a sport that has been declining in attendance and people caring, you need that regeneration. You need that growth of the sport with your fans. And so far... 2020, and for all the things that have happened right before that magically kind of went away because of pandemic, it's not working. And I don't know, something has to change. Now let's get into some happier uh, thoughts. So the CEBL has begun its tournament in St. Catharines. The Canadian Elite Basketball League has begun and for most teams, it's off to a good start. Uh, unfortunately, the Ottawa Blackjacks, the new team, have not won a game yet. But Round Robin continues until Wednesday, August 5th. And all games can be seen on CBC and CBC Gem and CBC Sports. So go check those games out. Uh, it's great basketball. Uh, two games a day. So go check it out uh, and see some of the great teams and see if Saskatchewan can repeat as a champion. The Challenge Cup, we had our tournament final for the Challenge Cup in the NWSL. And it was an impressive tournament for two teams. After many, many upsets, we had our final between Houston and Chicago, the fourth versus sixth seed in a fantastic final. Houston started off hot. They continued their rush from the previous game and uh, mounted a lot of impressive attacks and got a penalty shot and held a 1-0 lead uh, in the first half. Chicago started to ease into it after that, began to counterattack, and started off hot in the second half. Then around the 70th minute mark, Houston kind of opened up again, kept on the attack, uh, but couldn't find the net, so it was still 1-0. With time running out, Chicago pushed their players, they were mounting an attack, and then a counterattack, Houston countered, scored in the 90th minute, to make it a 2-0 win. For Houston, it's huge because they've never made the playoffs, which is crazy to think. But they've 
blown that out and won their first championship. Congratulations. I think the tournament was a huge success. Fantastic building block for the franchise and for the league. And I'm actually excited for next year's season. Uh, I'm going to keep an eye out and hopefully watch some more games that it doesn't get buried. I think it was a great tournament and great product. So they should be 100% proud of what they put out there. Congratulations to the NWSL. MLS update. Uh, We are now uh, on to the quarterfinals. Already, the tournament seems like it just began. We're in the quarterfinals of the MLS is back tournament, which is pretty crazy to think. And there are no Canadian teams left. Gone. Poof. Just like that. So Montreal lost 1-0 to Orlando. TFC was stomped 3-1 by NYC FC. And Vancouver lost in penalties uh, 3-1. In another shock, Seattle lost 4-1 to LAFC. So we will definitely have a new champion because we don't know if the tur- uh, if the tournament's going to be the only part of MLS we have all year. They're still looking to make a, a way to play the rest of the season. We'll have to see how that one plays out. So our quarterfinals are Orlando versus LAFC, which is going to be a heavyweight. We have San Jose versus Minnesota FC. Uh, NYC FC versus Portland Timbers. And we have Philadelphia versus Sporting Kansas City is our quarterfinal matchup. So keep an eye out. Uh, Games are on uh, TSN here in Canada, uh, on ESPN, I believe, in the States. Well, we know what Pat Mahomes has started to do with his money. As any person who makes that much money, they become an owner of a sports franchise. That's a good investment, as long as you pick the right team. Uh, But Pat Mahomes uh, has now become a part owner of the Kansas City Royals. Mahomes, who who has a love and appreciation for baseball, was actually drafted by Detroit, but chose football, which seems to be working out for him. I just fine, I believe. Uh, He seems to be fitting in with Kansas City area, and now that he is a part owner, he loves the area and wants to improve the franchise. So I believe he's going to be there for many years, and uh, hopefully Kansas City uh, begins to rebuild faster. The CPL is returning. Like I mentioned up top, the Canadian Premier League is returning in PEI. Tiny, tiny PEI in Charlottetown, its capital. The eight teams will begin play on August 13th. And the way it's going to work is every team will play each other once. So eight teams. The top four teams will then go into another pool, who then will play. And the top two teams from there will play off in the final match. All games will be played in Charlottetown at the University of uh, PEI. Uh, You can watch all games on One Soccer, which is their official partner of uh, the CPL. You can find out uh, One Soccer, how to watch that on, on their website. But it's uh, great to see we have a new team, Atletico Ottawa. So it's going to be a a good tournament, I believe. And it's good to see that they're not going to have their season lost. And they're going to be able to uh, do something. And I think it's a big win for PEI to bring soccer to PEI. Another league has begun playing. Just seems like every week we get another league. This week of being sports week. Of course, uh, we had to have the mega sports come back. The WNBA. In the spirit 
of returning to WNBA was kind of quiet about it. That's probably just my channel's not connecting enough with the WNBA, but they have begun to play their bubble season. They created a plan and have already begun playing. They started on the 25th of July. Uh, they uh, started to play in Brayton, Florida. Uh, in early July, they arrived there, held training camp, and have begun playing as of this past weekend. Uh, all 12 teams uh, are there in the bubble and will, will be playing a 22-game season in the bubble. The season will go from July till September 12th. Then the playoffs begin after that, with the finals held in October. Games are uh, almost every single day, can be seen on ABC, ESPN, uh, and I believe on TSN and Sportsnet will show them a well, as well here in Canada. Uh, another league, this is going to be a huge, uh, huge season, I believe, for the WNBA, with lots of new superstars. Sabrina coming over, starting her first year as a pro, and I think the parity in the league is... Uh, is there. I think anyone does have a shot this year. So take a look for the WNBA starting. You can double it up WNBA and NBA games. It's going to be a good season for them. A 22 game stretch with them really pushing most of August, a little bit of September, and then into the playoffs. So we'll keep you updated on how the season is going. But welcome back WNBA. World Cup qualifying. The CONCACAF has released the new format for qualifying, which we all go, thank goodness, because it was so confusing before. Although we do love our shapes here in CONCACAF, so we went from a hex to an octagon. The octagon is the cooler shape. Octagon is UFC, so we'll be heading into an octagon. They detailed it, every single thing that will go on, uh, starting hopefully in October is what uh, when the next round of qualifying will begin. So the top five ranked CONCACAF teams make it to the octagon, the final round, no questions asked. The rest of the teams will have to go through a two-round qualifying session to make it to the octagon and vie for those three spots to the next World Cup. So the five teams are, in order, Mexico, USA, Costa Rica, Jamaica, and Honduras. Jamaica is a little bit of a shock. I didn't know they were up so high. But we'll see them in the, in the final round. Before that, 30 teams will be split into six groups of five. I'm going to have to do a little bit of math. Each will play two home games and two away games. And then the round is finished. So we have six groups of five teams. So each team will play the other teams once. So you get four games in, uh, and that's going to happen hopefully in October and November, which is the next international break, if everything is going okay. If not, they might move it to January. So we have our six groups of five teams. So the next best six ranked teams will be placed into each pool. So those are El Salvador, Canada, Curaçao, Panama, Haiti, and Trinidad. That group uh, draw will happen on August 14th. The winner of each of those groups will go into the second round of qualifying. So that way we have six teams advance. Of those, they will be split into, via the pool, teams will play each other in a home and away. So they'll play that matchup. So say Canada 
wins and they will face Curacao. They'll face Curacao in a home and away. The winner of each of those three matchups will fill our octagon to give us eight teams. Once we get into the eight team octagon, it's going to be a 14 game sprint for a top three position to qualify for the World Cup in 2022. Now, as Usual, the fourth place team will get a playoff match against another region. So potentially CONCACAF can send four teams, but that fourth place team has to win a playoff match to get into. And that won't happen until 2022. So hopefully October and November, the first 30 teams will play. After that, sometime in 2021, we will have the second round where those six winners will face off in a home and away against one other team. And the winners of that matchup will go into our octagon, which will start in 2021, 14 games and the top three qualify. This is, I think a easier way to see where each team ends up. And it's gonna be a good start for Canada as we have a young squad starting to get quality players that are going to take it to that next level. Canada's usually been on the cusp and just not quite there. So the more games that we have, the more competition that we can play and play up to, we're going to get there. Canada will qualify, I think, in this decade for a World Cup. And we'll have to ask Kaz, our soccer expert, what he thinks. But I think Canada will make a World Cup. I think we'll qualify, I should say. Because there's probably a good chance that in 2026, when it's held in North America, Canada might get a spot but I think we can qualify and not get a pity spot. So, and that's me including the 2030 World Cup because it, to me that's in this decade and really there's only two in here because it's 2022 and 2026. But that's besides the point, that's me. So within the next three World Cups, I think Canada will qualify. And there it's being put out into the internet. Uh, there I said it. And we're going to head now into our sports report with Paul. Uh, Paul's our uh, baseball insider and super fan of the Blue Jays and baseball in general. We're going to get his thoughts on how baseball is doing, if it could do better, what he thinks of the mix-ups and all the stuff that's happened in uh, 2020. You know at the top of the show, you know my thoughts. So we're going to head over and uh, talk with Paul. All right, and we're here with the uh, this week's sports report, and this week we have Paul, our baseball insider. Uh, thank you for joining us, Paul. And thank you for having me, Justin. So why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? All right, well, I live over in Orangeville, Ontario, which is about an hour or an hour and a half away from Toronto. So by proxy, I'm, of course, a Blue Jays fan and have been since about 2012. Awesome, awesome. So did you have a team before that, or just kind of by proxy, you were a fan of Toronto for living so close? <laughs> just by proxy. All right, and so uh, what, uh, what has drawn you to uh, be such a big fan of baseball? Well, I would say it would kind of go to one of the first games I ever went to. Um, well, my, I guess I should actually mention before um, 
I actually started watching before really following around in 2012. I did actually see my first game around 2003 when I was in about grade five or so. And it was a late September tilt. It was between the Blue Jays and the then Tampa Bay Devil Rays. And while at that point it was a bit of a meaningless game because both of them were right out while the Yankees and Red Sox were fighting for the division. And, but at the same time, I was able to go to it with uh, one of my older brothers. He managed to score some tickets behind home plate. And I did, from what I did remember of the game at the time was that the game was won by the Blue Jays five to three. There was a few good number of homers, so much so that fireworks were set off at the Sky Dome. Back then, before they brought out the horn, or it might have been around the time when they had the horn, I'm not entirely sure, since it has been so long ago, but I do remember that any time the Blue Jays hit a home run or won uh, the contest, fireworks would set off. Now, of course, they don't do it anymore because not only they have the horn, but I'm pretty sure it was also maybe for uh, <laughs> some... <laughs> I'm almost thinking it was probably for all the different condos that are around the Sky Dome as well, too. Probably the neighbors would probably be complaining about noise or smoke. <laughs> but anywho, uh, that was the first time I ever knew about MLB. Around that time, I was in really into, uh, into hockey, and particularly the NHL. And... I didn't really hear too much about baseball until I went to that one game. And it was around that time that, again, realized that the, the um, that there was this sport and I started to follow it just a little bit closely, but not as closely at that time compared to hockey. That would change, however, when 2011 came around when I was first starting college and I went to another late September tilt. This time, it was the Blue Jays versus the Yankees. So while it was another meaningless game where the Blue Jays would end up finishing that season with a 500 record at 81 and 81, uh, it was, of course, against the Yankees, which would bring a bit more excitement into not only the game, but into the crowd, being that, uh, of course, being with uh, them being such a big ticket item. And the fact that there would be a little more people in the crowd, unfortunately, a good number of them being Yankees fans. But while at that game, um, I, I'd say part of it was because of the age for me. I would say that I had a bit more focus into the game and I was asking questions about uh, all that was going on during the game uh, with my siblings who had taken me to it. Um, I absolutely loved the energy with the crowd, in particular, anytime anyone in the Yankees came up to bat. And uh, in particular, I think uh, Alex, Alex uh, Rodriguez was playing at that time. And of course, he got caught not that long ago in that one uh, steroid scheme. Anytime he came up to bat, everyone would be booing him. So I'd be joining along with it, which was awesome. And Blue Jays ended up winning that game and kind of thought, I could get behind this game. And then, of course, it was around this time that there was a late push for the wild card that year for both the AL and NL, where the Cardinals and the NL and 
the Rays in the AL were coming up hot to get that spot, while the Red Sox in the AL and the Braves in the NL were floundering. And all it took was one extra game, game 163, for all those clubs in which the Cardinals and Rays would win their games, or and the Red Sox and Braves would lose their tilts, which coincided with them choking away the wild card while the Cardinals and the Rays made it to October. And it was during that run that for the Cardinals, they had that major late season push to make it into the wild card and just ran wild throughout October and ended up winning the World Series in seven with the Texas Rangers. And I had watched that postseason uh, while I was working on midterms and projects during that October. And it was just exciting. I had never seen a late season run or even a postseason run in all my years of watching sports pretty much ever at that point. And it was at that point that I kind of realized, okay, I'm, I'm hooked. <laughs> I, I will say, uh, you know, there, baseball has its problems with, you know, not kind of evolving like other sports have to for the newer generations so that's a whole huge other topic that we won't get into but i will say anyone can even if you don't like baseball you can watch a postseason game because every inning every at bat at that point matters even in a seven game series whereas you know game 91 in the middle of july might not matter if both teams are really horrible it uh you know the crowd might be half full some of them are there for the crazy food but uh in in the postseason there's always energy there's always uh excitement every single hit the crowd gets excited every single catch people are booing because the other team caught it or excited because it happened for their team so i will say if anyone's on the fence of baseball just watch a postseason tilt and I think that'll sway your mind of why at least baseball in the playoffs is very exciting. Oh, yes, definitely, definitely. I've heard, and this was actually a pretty good comparison. One person that I uh, listened to, he had always mentioned that when it came to post, when it came to postseason ball and uh, baseball in October, uh, the game becomes kind of like a game of chess where the managers pretty much have to figure out, you know, of course their best lineup, uh, best um, starting lineup for batting order to basically figuring out uh, their uh, starting pitcher, their rotation, and uh, especially uh, their bullpen. When it comes to October, this is where, of course, they really come to shine where you can basically (laughs) come up with a, whole different kind of a combo of different uh, relievers to basically confuse your your opponent and it may take a while but you know it, it is worth it especially when you make it to the fall classic so you uh, became a Blue Jay fan kind of at the right time they had not really had great success past the two World Series um, uh, actually, baseball in Canada, really after the 94 season, the shortened season, it's kind of went downhill a little quickly. Uh, but right around that, yeah, that 
the turn into the new decade, Toronto kind of made everything click, got the right players, and really made a surge. Uh, so do you think that's going to help the popularity? And they're even, you know, young and making that push, so they really redeveloped really quickly. Uh, to They're on the upswing again. Do you think that's uh, making a push for baseball, uh, not only in Toronto, but in Canada, to become uh, popular again? Because it was super popular, and then uh, as – Toronto sucked and Montreal sucked and then moved away it kind of seemed like oh people like are done with baseball in Canada but it's it's been a hotbed especially in BC the Little League World Series those teams usually come from BC most of the time to compete for Canada so baseball does have its place I think Uh, but do you think the popularity of Toronto and potentially Montreal getting another team uh, do you think uh, with their uptick uh, in this past decade, do you think that helped baseball in Canada? I would say it's definitely a possibility. When the Blue Jays were making their runs in 15 and 16, it just gave pretty much way to a renaissance of interest in the game again and bringing, of course, people back into uh, the seats at the uh, Sky Dome. I, I know it's Rogers Center, but I can't. It'll always Sky. be the Sky Dome. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, during uh, 2015 in particular, I mean, 16 as well, too, since I did go to a few good number of games then, too, but especially 15, it just, there was just an energy in the city that hadn't really seen that kind of energy since of course 93 and i mean definitely the winning helped but it was just (laughs) winning always helps i mean always always but it was just still something very you know very refreshing very different um uh, especially in such a hockey crazy city like toronto i mean the the one thing with toronto i personally find is that Unless you're the least, I mean, the Raptors are seeing that right now too. But to me, I would still say, I mean, unless you're the Leafs, if you're not winning, you're not really getting a heck of a lot of interest, which is pretty sad in my opinion, since, you know, there's such a good variety of sports in Toronto compared to many other Canadian cities. So, I mean, as I was just saying, you know, there was such an energy in Toronto, in the city, uh, when the Blue Jays were making their runs in 15 and 16. And uh, I know for me, when I went to, that was that was one year when I went to over, at least over 10 games, which I hadn't done until that season. And part of it was, of course, to just, uh, you know, spend some time down, down in the city and uh, watch a few games of the sport that I do enjoy. And then, you know, being able to witness their their one late season push since they were kind of before the big trades that they had with uh, Tulowitzki and uh, David Price for a couple of examples. You know, they were kind of hovering. There was at one point they were kind of hovering one game under 500. And then once those moves happened, they had an incredible late season push in August and September to finish. 93, 69, and end up winning the division. And then 
of course, you know, we had the classic tilt between them and Texas with the capper being Jose hitting the three run Homer and flipping his bat, which, you know, I, I always found it kind of fitting that the ball uh, went under uh, Joe Carter's name on the level of excellence. It was almost kind of like a poetic way of saying that Jose was um, continuing what Carter left off after he touched the mall in 93. Baseball's kind of poetic that way. What can I say? Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, like, as at what, what they're doing right now, of course, with uh, Shapiro and company, in that they're, you know, harvesting, harvesting more from the farm. Because, I mean, after 15, even though it was a risk that, even though it didn't pay off at the end, did end up being exciting all at the same time, uh, the, old, the old GM, uh, Alex Antropolis, uh, he did at the same time did cost us a bit of the farm when he made some of the big trades. So, you know, you did, we did have to, um, we did have to basically replenish the farm at some point. And, you know, Shaparo and company, I mean, some of the players have been of course from AA's tenure, some of them, but Shaparo and company have done a good job in, replenishing the farm system and we have seen it so far coming up with some awards with Vladdy coming up and Kevin Biggio and Bo Bichette and of course Nate Pearson who had a pretty stellar night tonight against Washington and I mean hey anything's possible I mean with a good young core and with you know plenty of years uh, ahead with them as time goes on uh, as long as we see the reaping of the rewards, can definitely see a possibility of that resurgence again in popularity and definitely seeing uh, some interest uh, throughout the country and especially in Montreal down the road. So, yeah, you mentioned uh, the Blue Jays this season. They look pretty good and uh, with the there being an expanded playoffs, do you think that they can actually – do you think that they will make the playoffs? You know, that's a really good question because, you know, definitely anything is possible with this expanded format. I mean, personally, I'm not the, I hate to say it, I'm not the biggest fan that they're expanding to teams, but I mean, the more, uh, expanding more teams into the postseason, just, just me personally, you know, quality over quantity, especially when it comes to baseball. However, the more spots, the better, especially during this time. And as long as, in my personal opinion, as long as the as long as Blue Jays remain fairly healthy and definitely uh, continue to impress, I mean, last year with uh, some of the younger core coming up, they did show some promise. There could definitely be a possibility. Do, could it? Is it? Uh, is it a guarantee? Oh, no. But depending on how things go and if things go right, could be a possibility. So, I, I mean, I think I like the expanded, and I think this is a test, as long as we get to the playoffs. I think it's kind of a – because they said it's just for this year, and I think they want to see how people take it. I do think in the future – 
the way to go is to expand the playoffs. Um, just because it is so exciting, baseball is going to make a crap ton of money by expanding the playoffs. So I think it's a no-brainer. And they already kind of expanded it with the one extra game, the, the play-in game. So the uh, I could – I think to start – I don't think you go crazy like in 10 teams make it in. I think that's a little too extreme. But you could go the – the NFL route and have the top two teams overall get a bye and then the next four play in that wild card weekend and then you get into the divisional and then uh, the conference or conference and divisional it's a little backwards with baseball but I can see them doing that in the future and I think that would be a smart move and sit there for a long while with six because like you said you don't want too many but adding more because then it just helps with the teams you don't want too many teams out of it so far like in june if someone's already 10 games you know the teams are like all right we're packing it up just uh thank you season ticket holders for spending money at the concessions we'll see y'all next year and you don't want that so you you want teams to be more competitive uh and have the opportunity so no of course i i think in that turn how do you feel about adding a salary cap? This is one, one little aspect that I have kind of pondered over. And honestly, kind of at this point, I'd actually be okay with a salary cap. It's, it's kind of funny. It was kind of one of the things back when I was a kid, of course, that kind of, I mean, there was other things, of course, like the lockout, of course, but that was kind of one of the things that kind of took me out of NHL, I hate to say it, just at the time, since, of course, you know, it was new, and, you know, I was a kid at the time, and I didn't really totally understand the whole idea of it. Now that I'm a little older and do understand it and have seen it used with the NHL and seen how much parity they do have with having it, now I kind of see that, yeah, maybe MLB could definitely use it because, I mean, especially <laughs> in regards to with the Blue Jays being in the division where you have the Yankees and the Red Sox pretty much fighting each other for the division. I mean, not so much this year, though you do see the Yankees pretty much being the clear favorites, in my opinion, being the winner of the division. Red Sox, they're kind of they're in a bit of a rebuild, so they won't be competing too much but I digress but it definitely would bring a bit more parity to the league and would definitely bring in some variety in regards to having some uh, different teams come in I mean yes in regards to like the explained playoff format for example yes it does bring some different teams coming in but of course as I mentioned you know quality over quantity I had one person that I uh, listened to and he was mentioning about all the different teams if this um, if the expanded uh, postseason was brought up in previous years and had brought up teams that had like Ooh. 500 records or sub 500 uh, records yeah. and we don't want those it's, it's like in the NFL when one team wins when there's always that one horrible division and someone gets it, wins the division so you get a playoff and you get a home playoff game and you're 7 and 9 or six mm -hmm. and ten, and they're just like, "Oh, congratulations! You just get an extra game." For the most okay. part, now sometimes you play the game, and anything can happen. So, but 
for for the while that I'm thinking of, which was the NFC West, where my team was, it was always the dumpster fire and just kind of, oh, who's going to kind of be 500 and get in because you win the division. But I think there are, there are definitely years, and it'd be interesting to go back to see those one or two extra teams instead of the four or five, you get, you, know, you get the two extra for six, who those two teams would be and would they make, would it be a third team in the same division uh, would it be so because there are times where there are definitely teams who deserve it they just you know run out of steam or just one game too short mm-hmm. or we're just in the wrong division just in the wrong division yeah that happens that happens in football a lot too and uh, there's a good example of the San Diego Chargers from 2010 they led the league in uh, offense defense and they just they didn't win the division and they didn't even make the playoffs. And you're like, how in all these stats you beat the league, but you don't make the playoffs. And it's like, just kind of lost the, you know, Peyton Manning, what to do? Like, what can you do? So I think, I think baseball, I still don't know about Manfred. He, he seems, he seems a little out there sometimes and not, really able to steer the ship like he they just kind of handed him the keys and they're like you sailed right and i bought this head at the gift shop it says i'm captain and it's like okay yeah you must be a captain you have the hat and it's like okay what do we do i mean i will i will say this mlb's definitely needing someone new in the commissioner's uh commissioner's seat man especially in the past while with some of the decisions Manafort has made from the way he's handled the cheating scandals between the Astros to some of the new rules they've put in for uh this year's season in particular the automatic runner on second on second during extras I hate to say I'm okay with that rule you're okay with that I'm okay with that in the sense that there's there's no need for a again a game seventy to have nineteen innings. Yeah, I mean I get I mean I think definitely never thought if, of that. If, if for a compromise, <laughs> yeah. you can yeah. compromise and have maybe like the you know inning ten and eleven just played as normal, and then if it starts to get to inning twelve or thirteen, you start with a runner on second. Mm-hmm. Because there, there are definitely games, especially in September, if it's two teams who are like 20 games out of it, and you're like, oh, inning number 17. There are two people in the stands. <laughs> you know, it's funny. You reminded me of when I got uh, watching uh, the 19-inning marathon in, on Canada Day 2016 between uh, Blue Jays and Cleveland. <laughs> that was a marathon. So much so they had to use uh, some of the some of the infielders to <laughs> be pitchers, right? When like that's the, like, I mean, we love it as fans when you see like, oh, mm-hmm. like this infielder's coming to pitch, and oh, he struck him out, like ah, oh, he's gonna get made fun of so much. But in, in like the grand scheme of things, it's like ah, oh, we could tweak this a little bit. So mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, there's definitely is that one side. I just. I just personally find it, find that it just sounds so little league. <laughs> so little league. 
that's, that's just neat. I think this is this is the stuff like they're so the fans I guess the fans seem to have a discussion with the league or in like a an open house or a round table discussion because you get these fans who are like never change baseball you know I, it has to be this way you know you put your glove in the oven to make it hard and the right way and then there are new fans who are like oh let's innovate it a little bit with like a a little bit of expanded playoffs or these you know, make the game a little bit faster uh, implement these things so you get more stats for the the number of hungry people because there are a ton of number hungry people in baseball and everyone's like no i want to sit there with my pencil and pad of paper and listen to it on am radio in the stadium and and i think that's been baseball's problem is they haven't been open to to change they've been so stuck in their ways and now they're trying to change to get new fans because a lot of their fans are dying out and they're not being replenished as fast as other sports because they weren't Mm -hmm. listening to the fans and I think they're trying to make changes and some they're not listening to baseball fans of what the changes should be. They're just like, Oh yeah, throw this person on second, make games faster. Cause you are all complaining that they're too long. And, uh, Oh, you want a 20 team playoff? We'll give you a 20 team playoff. And it's like, did you go to Google and just look up what people wanted? Cause it's not what we wanted. And I, like you said, you had to some rules, it seems little league and, I think that's the the struggle that baseball is having with the and this season has been, you know, the cherry on the top, how they handled everything. To to be honest, I almost didn't even think the season was even gonna happen. Neither did I. And I just you know, baseball's the best social distance sport we have. Baseball and soccer. And baseball mm-hmm. in, in Korea. Uh, we did an episode kind of explaining the Korean Baseball League because it was the first league to be broadcast back again on TV. And like, so explaining how the league works and all the teams and who you should cheer for. It, but like they were able to get it done and it was like, cool. Everyone in North America was like, well, baseball should just like we, it's, it's right there. They did it, just copy them. And it dragged on. And mm-hmm. on, and then it became a spitting like a spat match between you know parents and kids, and it was lots of people lost interest. And when they finally announced that the season was going on, I know I was like, "Oh, that's great! Like I, I might watch maybe." And I can't imagine like pe- like big fans like you, like how you felt. I was. <laughs> it kind of felt like uh, well, kind of like this year in general, a bit of a roller coaster. Like, I honestly kind of thought when they were first calling things off, you know, of course, that it was the big call, as was with every every other, the every one of the major leagues of calling things off and just making sure everyone's safe and okay. So I was like, okay, fine. And then hearing the back and forth between the owners and players on how to figure out uh, how they were going to get a season, you know, going – and, you know, just things like that, figuring out salaries and whatnot. And just the whole back and forth between them. I mean, I was for the players personally, but even then I was kind of almost a little bit turned off of the bickering and everything. I mean, I guess for some people it kind of reminded them of 94 a bit. I mean, that's, of course I that, but. that's exactly, I mean, like you feel, you want the players because I mean, 
tend to always usually side with the players, but at the mm-hmm. same time, like just some of their tactics and just being and not having a salary cap, so you have essentially millionaires bickering with billionaires, and it's hard mm-hmm. to feel sorry for those people who aren't going to make you know 150 million dollars this year, and you're like oh darn you know there are millions of people who aren't working and you're bickering mm-hmm. over playing 100 games or 70 games or mm-hmm. prorated or you're getting a full salary and it's like you're really making pulling out the heartstrings of people really boycotting <laughs> the owners because it's not quite working no do, you, do no. you think if a salary cap was installed some of those talks would have been a lot easier because the salary issue would have already been dealt with. Yeah, I could definitely, yes, definitely, definitely. So since of course with the cap, you know, you would be of course capped on how much you would be (laughs) given and things like that. And wouldn't have to be given away, you know, the (laughs) equivalent of like a GDP of a small Caribbean nation to one player. I, you know? I think that's that's really what pulls people off also is just some people making an obscene amount of money. And now the NFL is starting to see that as well, where players are just making obscene amount of money, mm-hmm. you know, enough that a, a football player can buy a share in a, hot, in a baseball team. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, um, in regard, with – baseball in particular meanwhile you see these crazy contracts get getting uh put out left right and center while you hear i know there was recent well fairly recent news where they were mentioning about some teams making cuts to their minor league teams and everything and you know you're not giving them a chance to come up to the show come on sure their season was canceled but still still happens regardless Mm-hmm. There, there are definitely. I think some movies better than others show the kind of the progression of what you know, single A, double A, triple A, the division, just where you play the stadiums, where uh, the facilities that you get. Uh, kind of okay, you get ten bucks to go grab a meal at McDonald's when you're in middle of nowhere Alabama playing a three-game series and then you got to hop on the bus to go play in Mississippi and then you head back when you're making you know a hundred dollars a day and these guys are doing it for the love of the game essentially and then to have Mm -hmm. cuts where there's not really lots of they're not really giving a lot of money to those teams regarding in the first place but then you see you know, 300 and something million dollars to, to Mookie Betts. And you're like, is that going to buy you? Or do we just go straight into cheating? Because clearly cheating is better than paying all these people. And mm-hmm. Cheating also doesn't help either. But I, no, I didn't, I didn't bring my trash can. I, you know, I, <laughs> I didn't give you the proper greeting of a trash can. Shoot, I was looking forward to that. <laughs> you know, they're they're super expensive, battery. so they. <laughs> so what's uh, and what... oh, and I gotta say one one more thing. I just forgot to mention. Um, when we were talking about minor leaguers, now I want to watch Bull Durham. <laughs> yep, Bull Durham uh, and Major League. Those are 
to uh, two go-to summer movies and mm-hmm. dictate baseball really well. So, yes. Now, <laughs> we can't talk about baseball. So, the Astros got caught cheating. Mm-hmm. And clearly they're uh, going to be retaliated against because baseball has a huge code of ethics where you don't cross it. Even if you have the opportunity, you want to be a gentleman. Do you really think that um, there should have been an eight game suspension for yesterday's uh, pitches uh, towards the Houston players? Oh yes. From Joe Kelly. Well, he didn't hit them. So I mean, no, uh, no. I mean, he was stirring the pot. I mean, understandably so. <laughs> <laughs> that one duck face that he gave. <laughs> oh, that thing's becoming a meme. Anywho, um, I mean, I, I would say for the most part, I would say for the most part, yes, just to send a bit of a message to others that – you know, it's going to be a long season with them. We know there's going to be people that are going to be wanting to bean them no matter what. However, you know, got to put the foot down at some point and set a precedent. So, I mean, is there still going to be times where they're going to get beaned? Oh, you know it. <laughs> every team's got to have their turn, right? Mm-hmm. So it's going to continue into next year because they don't play everyone. Nope. And, uh, uh out of all the times – they Astros are definitely getting off lucky in that no one is attending any games right now. I <laughs> would be so booing in Toronto if they came over. Now what, like, it's almost like the major league kind of said their thing and like, they won't do anything. And they said they won't do anything more. Like I, I it, Along with the negotiations this year, I think it just sullied a lot of fans. Do you, what do you think the repercussion, like what are fans going to feel? Because you're essentially saying, oh, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it would take a lot for me personally to be not following or just saying, you know, bye to the game and everything. But I could definitely see – some declining interest from it. And even if there are going to be, you know, people like me that will be still watching some games, we'll still be issuing some displeasure over it, no matter what, whenever, you know, the Astros come into town or the Red Sox or anything. And just at Manafred in general, too. Like, as I said before, the, the man needs to, to go with all the fumbling that he's done from that to saying that the World Series was, I think he mentioned that it was like a piece of, piece of metal or something which you know discredits the championship altogether to you know the different rules that he's trying to put in and just yeah I I I can definitely sadly still see some disinterest and definitely some anger you know if we're allowed to go back to watching any games in person (laughs) is there someone in mind or that you can think of that would be right for the role of commissioner for baseball i think that's a a tough one for any sport if you're not like deeply embedded but i can't no one even come not even an old player or manager comes to mind 
Hmm. I guess let's say if there if you could pick anyone, that might be a little easier. If you could pick anyone to become a commissioner uh, of the MLB, who who do you think would be right for the role? Hmm. That is a good question there. Well, well, in some ways, I would almost think in regards like, yeah, I mean, granted, it wouldn't happen now since, of course, they would still be playing. But I would almost kind of think of like some of the some of the and it might not be also the best idea in bringing like, you know, a former player into into that role. I mean, we've seen it with hockey, for example, where you bring former players in as coaches and they all that fumbles. However, if there's one thing that I do find impressive with baseball is that there are a good number of players in it that act as ambassadors to the game. Like one that I can just think of off the top of my head is of course, you know, Aaron judge. The guy is, is <laughs> absolutely built and is like the height of like great Dane. Well, higher than that really. And you know, he can mash them. And yet of the times that I have seen him at games and everything, you know, he's, during batting practice, if you know fans are wanting to sign autographs with him or to photos or anything, you know he's you know right up to them, you know taking autographs and everything. He, I think there was one time I actually saw him take a kid out of the stands and play a little catch with him and everything. So I mean, you know if if there's you know like any former players or anything that were big ambassadors to the game or even current ones, like I mentioned with Aaron Judge, I can definitely see them being more in tune with the, the role because you definitely want in my personal opinion someone who you know not only acts as a course commissioner to the game but also an ambassador to the game to realize just of course uh well just to show how good a product the game can be i just i thought of one david ortiz Yes, Big Poppy. He was a great ambassador, and I mean, he's retired now, so he's got a lot of time on his hands. Yeah, if anyone can fix baseball, it's going to be him. He'll just take a baseball bat and just hit it around, and it'll be fun. Yes, yeah, that's a that's a good one. I I didn't even think of Big Poppy just yet, but no, that's a good one. So, final question to wrap this up: Do you think we finish the 2020 season? Well, judging by they've, how they've kind of handled things with Miami, I think for better or for worse, they're going to finish this season. It's going to be – it's not going to be pretty, but I think they just might. I think there might be a little bit of a rant on this episode before our interview about how I feel about the 2020 Major League season, but I, I – I think you're right. I think they're going to just eyes closed, ears shut, and just be like, no, no. Did we win? Did someone win the World Series? Then the season isn't over yet. <laughs> I, exactly. I, I, yeah, that's, yep. Yeah, I think that's how it's going to be, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, I'll watch in regardless. Maybe. Exactly. Safely, not in the stands, not near any players from your home. And until it's safe, we won't be attending any major league baseball games. And I'm so ugh. if that's one thing I do miss is actually going to games and not even just Toronto, 
the past few summers, I've been going to all kinds of different games down in the States from uh, yes. last year. Yeah, we didn't even get into, yeah, you're traveling. You've, uh, you've traveled all over to a couple different ballparks. What's that? Uh, what's that like? Oh, they're a ton of fun. So I've been to nine away games uh, for, for watching the Blue Jays, of course. Uh, I've been to Detroit, Cleveland, uh, Wrigley Field and Guaranteed Rate Field in Chicago. I've uh, been to Philadelphia, been to new Yankee Stadium in New York, and been to Seattle. And it's honest, it's, it's, it's quite the experience. I mean, of course, with, with it being the States and everything, and of course, being, their, being the game being their national, uh, their national pastime, you know, you definitely get more of a bigger experience out of it. Like you're, um, like, for, for one thing I can think of, for one example, I mean, when it comes to like the ushers and the game day staff, like hospitality is number one down in the, down in some of the parks there. Like one example I can think of, I went to Wrigley field for one game back in 2017 when the Blue Jays were playing a three game series there. And I remember going through the metal detectors with my cooler bag. Cause you would be allowed uh, to bring uh, food and drink into any of the ballparks in MLB. And as I was going through the metal detectors and getting my bags through, the the one uh, guard who was checking my uh, my bag, he gave me a oh, and I and I was almost thinking, oh no, did I bring something that I wasn't allowed to bring? Oh shoot, do I have to throw it out? He said, he then said, I know where I'm sitting because he saw that I had a bunch of candy in in my cooler bag, a bunch of chocolates, <laughs> sandwiches, and things. So. I was like, oh, oh, yes, oh, yes. You know, I just wasn't expecting any jokes from her or anything. And then after that, you know, the the game day staff were very accommodating, you know, welcomed me to the ballpark and everything. There was one point where I had to run off uh, downstairs to grab some concessions, and then I went back up, and I saw I had an opportunity to get a shot of the Chicago skyline. And I'm getting it through some chain-link fence, but I'm doing as best as I could. An, an usher came by and she said to me, oh, if you just go up the up the walkway and to your left, we have the patio right there and you can get a better shot there. And again, I was kind of taken aback. I just, I wasn't expecting that level of service or even acknowledgement or anything. So I thanked her and was able to get a nice shot there and, you know, went along my way. Like it was... It, I, I would be lying if I didn't say that park's my personal favorite out of all the way, uh, way parks I've gone to. I mean, you know, the game staff was amazing. The fans I was chatting with were very friendly, knowledgeable of the game. Uh, all the different little, uh, all the different little old school amenities that the park had from the hand turned scoreboard to, you know, the old school marquee that they had outside, even though, you know, part of it is, of course, electronic now, uh, has been for a while. <laughs> and just all the different little traditions they had there as well, too, like taking it out to the ball game. They had uh, Elizabeth Moss singing it uh, to the crowd. They had Go Cubs Go, their fight song uh, going on uh, when they won, of course, against us. And one thing that I noticed 
the little attentions to detail that they had at the park. I know this sounds like a small little bit detail and may not sound all that interesting to some, but I thought it was. Over in the marquee, they had flags showing who the Cubs were playing. So, of course, it was Chicago. It was the Cubs and the Blue Jays, and they had the colors of, for, of, the, of the teams on the flag. And alongside, they had the city of Chicago flag on and the city of Toronto flag on. Coming from someone, you know, coming from a Canadian who doesn't, who, do, who really doesn't see a lot of stuff from back home down in the States, as don't we all, <laughs> seeing the city of Toronto flag in Chicago was kind of actually pretty cool and kind of a nice little touch. I will say, I, I do think design, at least design-wise and care and those little details go, uh, I don't say maybe continue, but uh, for a period of time when all these different ballparks were being built, uh, and even the, the old ones like uh, Fenway Park and Wrigley Field, they, they really put in attention to detail and they really cared about the skyline, what you see in the background from like Pittsburgh where it matches up with the, the, the bridges uh, to yeah, having the skyline of Chicago, uh, even Seattle or San Diego. They all thought of these little things and there are all little design quirks and uh, in Baltimore, the, how they made it look so old fashioned, but it's so new. Mm-hmm, just, the retro ballpark. Yeah. And so it just like, they really go attention to detail uh, into the, cause they want you to feel comfortable. They want you to have all the amenities. You can, like you said, you can bring food in, but they won't, they really want you to buy the stuff at the concession and mm. drink all the alcohol and buy the overpriced food. Uh, so having it accessible and look nice, it's going to maybe entice you to, to buy one or two things, even if you bring something from home. Mm-hmm. So I think all of that goes into the intention and the detail when you're building the, the, a ballpark. I don't know what happened with the new Texas stadium. <laughs> you know, I think they might've thought, Hey, we could sell propane if this team moves out of here. <laughs> But uh, besides that new stadium, uh, I think all the rest of them that have been built in the past 20 years, I think, really go that extra mile. So I haven't been to any, unfortunately, but it's good to hear that you have experienced that, that you notice it, especially as a visitor. A lot of of stadiums are going to look nicer than the Sky Dome. Mm -hmm. But the Sky Dome is of its, it had its use of its time. It was not built for looks. Mm-mm. It was it, the dome part. That's cool. When it was built. Yes. Now it's kind of lost its allure because mm-hmm. it's easier to do now. But yes. back in the day, it was pretty cool. Yes. I mean, I won't lie. I still like seeing the roof open every now and then during a warm day. And it was pretty cool to have an open air game. Uh, during the postseason when I went to see them in the wildcard game against Baltimore in 2016. That was that, cool. That would be. I will say my first game that I got to see in Toronto um, was against the Angels, and the Dome was open. So I had no expectation, and it was a beautiful Saturday night, and it was really cool. Like, you could feel the warm air. It was just – and then I went to another game 
the year after and it was a closed on and I was kind of like oh well this is it, it was weird it was like it was so echoey and you felt not closed in but I guess like but it was a rainy day in Toronto so there's no way they're going to open it but there's definitely two different feelings and atmospheres uh, with a game with a dome open and dome closed. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, uh, I mean, it definitely, yeah, you can definitely tell the difference in the atmosphere when it's both open and closed. I mean, on the other hand, it is always good to know that a game won't be rained out unless, of course, you know, uh, <laughs> it's freezing rain and ice drops down from the CN Tower. <laughs> <laughs> like seasons ago, I still can get over that. And <laughs> I, yeah, in Canada, you do need a a stadium that can either have the ability to open and close a roof, or kind of like Minute Maid Park, something mm-hmm. that's really open with glass but has a roof on it. Minnesota was very ballsy and moving from a, a dome i mean they definitely needed a new stadium but just i'm they're pretty close to having a typical canadian winter so those early april games are pretty ballsy to have and it, even if they make it to late october there's no guarantee that you're going to have a pleasant evening Mm-mm. i mean it's a nice looking park but i thought when I first heard that they were going to go with without a dome, that it was just going to be all open, I thought, you guys are underneath Manitoba. You guys get the same weather as us. You're, you guys are called the state of hockey. I know I, it's, it's not going to be fun watching games in April or October, if you make it to October. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the football team decided, yeah, they have a – a closed stadium for good reason because December games outside is well just look at Buffalo and then there you go you, you have to be a special mm-hmm. type of fan to go to a game in middle of January outside <laughs> and have to shovel out <laughs> and have to yeah you got a free ticket if you shovel the stadium that's well that's I fun. think we're gonna end it off there since it's pretty late for you uh, but thank you very much for uh, coming on the podcast. It was uh, a pleasure uh, to have you on Talk Baseball. And uh, we'll uh, have to catch up as the season goes on because I'm sure the MLB is listening. The, the season will go whether we have the Marlins D division team playing for the Marlins because you need them to play. Uh, but we'll catch up to you probably about midseason and see where we're at and uh, how we feel. Of course. It it was a pleasure, Justin. Thank you very much for having me along. And thank you very much, Paul, for joining us. Uh, As always, if you want to hear or see or hear and see someone on the podcast, please write us on our social media, uh, Sports Night Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, Sports Night Pod 1 on Twitter. We have sportsnightpodcast at gmail.com if you want to send us an email. We're always looking to communicate and talk with our fans. We have a bunch of new guests lined up. It's going to be a very busy August. We have some new deep dives coming out. Uh, We have a comparative series coming out about a sport that I think all of you enjoy maybe once every four years to kind of give you a hint of what it could be. And we have our huge Olympic. I don't know why I'm so crazy to think that this is going to work, but it Come hell or high water, we will make it work. We are going to deep dive into the Summer Olympics. Every single sport. 
Yep, every single one. We're going to highlight it, talk about it, everything from gymnastics to swimming to pole vaulting, uh, the yachting. So it's going to be a big undertaking, but I think it's going to well prepare us for the 2021 Olympics in Tokyo, which I'm super excited for. So thank you so much to Paul. Thank you so much to all the listeners. Please engage with us on social media. Let us know how we're doing, what we need to change. If you hate my voice, well, we might get a new host, but that might not happen. But let us know. We love talking with you. Enjoy Sports Week. Enjoy this weekend. Get some snacks. Get a beverage, a nice cold beverage. It's the middle of summer, so get a cold, cold beverage, whether it's a Gatorade or a beer, wine, pop, water. Get that ice cold. Sit maybe on your deck, as long as it's not too warm, or sit in the air conditioning if it's super warm. Put on some hockey. Put on some basketball. Put on any league that you th- see fit baseball still like baseball i support it and watch it i like all sports just when they're run properly enjoy each other's companies let sports kind of help heal us let us gather safely together in our family bubbles or your friendship bubble that you have created watch some sports get on the internet watch it uh, through zoom or facebook or skype Enjoy each other's companies in the safest way possible. It's it's sports week. We made it here. Let the rest of the summer guide us through with sports. Let's get out there. Let's enjoy each other's company safely. If not, communicate with your friends and family through the internet or a telephone. And let's start to turn 2020 around. This is the second half. We're already in the second half, but we're entering into August now. Let's make the rest of 2020 enjoyable as possible. We have our sports to put us in a in a getaway mode. We can communicate and watch, whether together or through the internet apart. But stay safe, everyone. Sports are back. Take a deep breath. Enjoy a drink. Enjoy a drink on me can't give you any money for it but uh, I raise my cup right here in honor of everyone I give everyone a big sociable happy sports week stay safe and always remember to sport on